You are listening up, to guys? another Always I'm Moto Park, production. And you're listening to the Always Moto The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is episode 89 of the Always Moto podcast, proudly brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. I'm your host, David Hogan, and we'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. Unfortunately, somebody else actually saw him in the in the um, parking lot after Marvel Stadium, scratching around looking for loose change because he still hasn't been paid yet. This is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic, throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week on the show, we'll be covering all things World Supercross and Australian Supercross from Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, Australia. It was round three for both of those series. Uh, and the final rounds of those championships as well. So a lot to go through there. And we'll go through, I'm not sure, we're not going to have a Blair's banter this week. We're going to skip that segment. Uh, Blair's had a, on, a, on a hiatus, I think, from uh, after Marvel. He might be a little bit under the weather. So we've got a reasonable show coming through. Most of this show, we're just going to cover off what happened in World Supercross and Australian Supercross. No interviews this week. Everyone is travelling back home from the events trying to get back into the right countries of origin and all that sort of stuff. So we're skipping that one at this stage. But hey, Moto fans, this episode is brought to you by Liat Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Liat Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Liat Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Liat to stay safe, ride fierce, and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. And don't forget Competitive Edge Performance. Are you looking to take that performance of yours to the next level? Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. Offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everybody deserves access to the best training and and they have over 10 years of industry experience so their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. And don't forget Slam Board Guy and Endurance Recovery Boots. We have those affiliate deals in place and they have some deals going on that I think will, if you're catch this in, uh, catching this early enough this week and it's not December yet, You'll still have some late-minute Black Friday, Cyber Monday things going on on both of those sites. So check that out. 
Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase on both Endurance Recovery Boots and Slantboard Guy and you'll be able to get yourself a deal off those already amazing products there from both of those companies. And don't forget Tech 167 3D Printing. If you need something cool for your bike, you need to get in touch with Tech 167. We saw Joel in the pits at World Supercross working hard on the Club MX um, Yamahas in, in for the World Supercross Championship. He was a fill-in mechanic of all things. Um, so he's there, but he's also... So yes, he knows his products inside and out, but he also makes cool stuff for you as well. If you let him know that you're a listener of Always Moto Podcast, he'll give you a discount as well we still have our t-shirts available so we've got that merch there they're $25 plus posting and handling show your support of the show and rock your t-shirt at the next race email info at alwaysmoto.com put t-shirt order in the subject line send us the size you want and we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal now speaking of PayPal send us a donation if you don't want a t-shirt you might be too sexy for a t-shirt and in which case, just send us a donation instead. We'll keep the shirt. We'll wear it. Um, but yeah, send us a donation via the Always Moto PayPal account. But if you want to find all of those sponsors and the PayPal links, follow the links in the show notes or in the bio on our social pages and you'll get straight through to them. Enough of this intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Oh, actually, let's not jump into the show. We've got some special deals. They're still going on. Those Black Friday sales I mentioned just before, well, there's one special one we've got going here. Now, Polar Australia, they've been involved with us before. We've done some inspections on their uh, Grit X Pro uh, as well, their heart rate tracking and fitness watch. But they've got deals going site-wide at the moment. So Polar Australia, go and check them out. There's a link in the show notes. They have uh, up to 50% off on some items. Now, the sale is running through till December 3rd, so make sure you check it out. You can get yourself a deal on a new chest strap or a you know, H10 heart rate monitor strap. You can get yourself a deal on all of their watches pretty much, except I think that brand new Vantage V3 is not in part of that sale, but everything else I think is. So check it out. If you need to update any of your training gear from Polar, now's the time to do it. You've got the, until December 3rd. All right, let's get into this show. Hey guys, it's Luke Nice. I'll be riding for Club Max Yamaha and the World Supercross Series, and you are listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, we're rolling into this big show to wrap up World Supercross. I'm still a little bit tired from the weekend, I've got to admit. A couple of late nights, two big nights of racing in Melbourne, Marvel Stadium for Australian Supercross on Friday night, World Supercross on Saturday night. The contractor was in attendance, so was the wife, but she's not here now, but she was taking lots of photos on uh, Friday and Saturday night. But, Benny, how was your World Supercross experience this year, mate? Uh, a lot better than last year, to, uh, to say the least. No, it was a really good weekend, but, yes, like you, I'm uh, still feeling some of the late nights at the moment. Yeah, look, I think, I, I think on both nights, it was about 1.30 before I put the computer down, from trying to put together um, post-race interviews and stuff and goddamn the internet was slow as shit on Saturday night in the hotel room. I gave up, so it ended up being a Sunday night posting for it once I finally got home. But, it, uh, yeah, big, big weekend, lots of stuff, a lot of talking, a lot of meeting people and, you know, just getting some intel on what's happening and up and down staircases in the backs of Marvel Stadium there, walking laps around the place to get from one pit to the next on Friday night. Uh, that place is surprisingly big when you got to walk around it that many times, mate. 
Yeah, it is. And I think that adds a whole other exciting element to it. Um, I mean, for me, not so much for you because you don't really like uh, a gay AFL, as you call it. But <laughs> as an AFL, as an AFL fan, uh, it's pretty cool just to see, you know, the ins and outs and behind the, I guess, behind the scenes of, you know, in the stadium. But uh, yeah, there was some decent walking from the Ozex uh, pits to the World pits. That's for sure. Yeah, it was like on opposite ends. So if, for anyone that didn't realise, watching from the start line, if you're looking at the start line, the Aussie guys were coming out from the right tunnel entrance and the world guys were coming out from the left. So they had them separated by a fair, you know, it was probably about 100 metres by the time you walked that big ar- arcing bend around the inside of the stadium there. So, yeah, there's a fair way between them. Uh, and we were going back and forth between both pits on Friday quite often, as well as then getting up to the press box a couple of times throughout the day. So it was a fair bit of walking done, um, but it was all worthwhile. I, I really enjoyed getting to see everybody and, you know, seeing some of the backstories that were happening and, and just, you know, finding out how everybody was after the previous rounds as such. Like there was a few people that we weren't sure about um, how they were injury-wise and one being Noel Ferguson on that Gas Gas in the Aussie series and he got carted out of Newcastle the last time we saw him with the update from the team was he was in hospital but when we saw him there in the pits on on Friday morning we checked him out and he said he was all good to go he just just managed to dislocate his kneecap which in the big grand scheme of things is pretty minor and he was back at it and racing on on the Friday night in Melbourne so those sorts of information pieces are you know awesome to get but you've got to put the legwork in Benny to get around and find all these things yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it's it's really good. The riders are so, uh, I guess, easy to talk to. You know, they're all set up there in the pits and you go by and, you know, say hello. And, you know, we saw a few people in Newcastle and then went back and, you know, once you see them again, you know, it's a little bit easier the second time and they're just, uh, yeah, they make your life easier. And, um, you yeah, that's you just keep building on that. That's how you get content, you know. You, they start to trust you a little bit more and, you know, let you in on a little little bit more information. And, um, yeah, the next time you see them, it just keeps growing. Yeah, now on that side of things too, a couple of special mentions on the Australian pit side of things. Um, Ryan Kohlenberg obviously being a big part of some of the things we've put together over the last, you know, few Australian series now. Um, But he was awesome with us again in Melbourne, letting us do pretty much whatever we wanted to do in terms of building some content with him. Um, And he's always just down to have a chat, which is awesome. Ryan's a really, really cool guy. Hopefully he can get back out and do some more of these events next year as well um, and, you know, get some more results. But um, it was awesome for Ryan. Um, And then the other one, Elijah Weesey. Obviously Elijah's on a lot of these other podcasts as well in the Australian side of things. And it's for a fair reason. He's a fairly likable bloke once you get to talk to him a few times and tried to help him out there on Friday morning. He's carrying a bit of a thumb injury after his Newcastle crash where he managed to lose, you know, part of the skin off his butt and whatnot from the rear tyre eating him up. But, yeah, tried to help him out a little bit on Friday morning. And I think he I think he appreciated that, Benny. And then, yeah, he was just really open to chatting with us about everything else from then. And same again, like we did we did some videos on his bike and, um, you know, he, he unfortunately had another crash and was up in the press box later on watching the main events and stuff. And just, you know, just interacting and getting more content, you know, and, and, and engagement with these guys. It was just awesome. So, yeah, appreciate the appreciate the efforts from Ryan and Elijah that they were, you know, open to be, us being around and involved with them on, on that Friday night. 
Yeah, it's it's really good, and you know when they're out on track, um, it's you know you can you can have a favourite or you know whatever way you want to look at it, but when you actually know people and you sort of talk to them about you know what they've been feeling on the track or how they're feeling, you know Elijah with his thumb, um, you tried to help him out. You just you have that little bit of a connection, and you sort of look at them, you know, through practice and qualifying and. Um, I mean, it was hard for anyone to miss <laughs> Elijah's uh, crash that he's, you know, not happy about again, the same as Newcastle. But, uh, yeah, you just have that, you know, bit of a connection and then, you know, you go go see him after the race or <clears throat> it was easy for us because he was up in the uh, press box after that. But, um, yeah, just, you know, having a laugh, laugh at himself basically and then, uh, you know, just up there having a laugh for the rest of the night. Yeah, that was yeah unfortunate for him that he was there in the press box. Obviously, I think it was a lap or two to go, wasn't it? Again, that he he managed to throw yeah, that thing was, away. I think it was the last lap. Yeah, which was pretty similar story in Newcastle. So he's obviously got to work on something on his his concentration or or his fitness for those last couple of laps of the heat races there. But yeah, look, those guys were really awesome. And then the next part of this uh, special mention is is um like you said, about having that sort of, um, you know, built in, you know, you know them, so you then build in a bit of a following that you're, you're paying attention to where they are on the track and stuff. Um, and for me, that's kind of always been the clouts. I've sort of known them from many years back. They were, we were in the same mini bike club many, many years ago um, and, you know, sort of reconnected with them last year in Melbourne, um, you know, and sort of pointed out that we were at the same place and everybody remembered everybody and, um this year aaron clout luke's brother aaron is luke's mechanic um and he's we spotted him there very early on friday morning in the world supercross pits working on luke's 450 for the friday night um australian round and you know he sort of came in brought us in and showed us some stuff and then all throughout the weekend pretty much every time we walked past the cdr pits um aaron aaron had something to say with us about something or just you know even just to say hello as we were wandering past again um and look my my wife, Jen, um, who was with us, taking lots of photos. She's actually um, in the last stages of a mechanics apprenticeship for motorcycle, for motorcycles. And she was picking um, Aaron's brain about different things. And we ended up getting a, you know, a bit of a special behind-the-scenes tour of the CDR pit there and um, heading out the back of the main pit area and seeing all the different parts that they'd carried through the cases for World Supercross and how they had to plan out what they packed and what they didn't and some of the rules that they had in terms of what they could take and what they couldn't take to try and make this an, an even series for when some of the other teams aren't in their home countries and whatnot. So that side of stuff was really cool. It also then meant that well, obviously we are paying really close attention to Luke on both nights um, and his efforts in his, in his events across Friday night and Saturday night. Um, and obviously Aaron giving us a little bit of insight about how he's feeling and all that. It was really cool to then be sort of a part of that as then... He then won Friday night's 450 event and managed to podium the Saturday night SX2 class as well. So I don't know about you, Benny, but that was a you know kind of a cool moment. And then obviously also to be able to have Aaron help us tee up that interview on Friday night after Luke got the win. It's kind of cool to be able to get that stuff you know out there for the public as well in terms of that that interview. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, and, you know, for anyone that's heard me talk on previous podcasts, I'm a massive Luke Clout fan. Uh, so for me, it was um, pretty special 
to, like you said, be there all day, get the ins and outs, um, explain a lot of stuff that, you know, within the pit area and the loading of those crates that, you know, most people wouldn't know. You sort of, you know, they send them in crates, but you don't know what goes in, what can't go in, uh, what they have to get when they get there. Um, and then, yeah, for, I think it was 2019, we worked out with Aaron that in Wollongong, the last time Clout won a Supercross race, and I was at that race. And then to be there, yeah, Friday night uh, for him to, you know, pretty much lead from start to finish was really special. And, um, you know, it was special for him too. You only had to see the emotion um, between him and Aaron and, you know, everyone at the podium. Um, but, yeah, if, you know, just that little bit extra special when, yeah, like you said, we had all the behind the scenes with Aaron and he was letting us in on everything and, um, just yeah, made for you know a good weekend, and um, yeah, we learned a lot more than what we probably would have if you know we hadn't done that. Yeah, no, that's what that's the sort of things like you said before about seeing these people, you know, once, twice, three times. They sort of start to get to trust you and see you a bit more. But obviously, like like I said, I mean myself knowing Aaron and Luke from way back, they sort of already opened that up a little bit. But yeah, Aaron was just super accommodating for us, and we really appreciate that that insight and. Even just that, you know, personal touch that he was going through with us about different things. So, yeah, it's really cool. But then, yeah, obviously, let's let's talk about that Luke Clout ride on Friday night. Um, we we saw where he was lining up for the start. We said he needed to get a start, and halfway down the start straight, like you called him for a hole shot from before it actually the gate dropped. But halfway down the start straight, I was convinced he'd stuffed it. <laughs> yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to laugh. So he picked the same spot in the heat race, um, which I think I watched the footage, and I don't think the heat races were actually on uh, the coverage. But he picked the picked the same gate, and um, yeah, I called him for the whole shot, and you're like, nah, like there's no way. And then got around that first corner, everyone went wide and he went tight. And uh, I think I recall your words were, how the fuck did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> Just out of, yeah, he, you had yeah no confidence or anything. And yeah, that was it, start to finish, led the whole race. And um, yeah, that's probably the best I've seen him ride in a long time, which is really, really cool. Yeah, he's up on the no confidence part. I had confidence, but partway down that start straight, when he was probably on the angle that we were looking at from the slightly to the side of that start straight there, he looked like he was dead set in the back half, if not worse, at the back of, of the field going into that corner. But somehow, as he says in the interview when we interviewed him post-race, and if you haven't heard those yet, check them out. They're in the podcast feed, or you can watch them on our YouTube channel. So go over there and subscribe to that. But even he said that, He'd learnt from the heat race, and obviously this is why he picked the same gate, is that everyone pushed wide. So he didn't run in or try to run in hot into that corner. He obviously tried to then be very, very tight on that inner line of the corner, and it worked out perfectly because by the time he got to the inside of that corner, everybody was as far out of sight as they could possibly be because they'd overshot the apex, and Luke just took that inside run and disappeared. Yeah, and I mean, he uh, he had Brayton behind him and, you know, we know now that Brayton, you know, had an injury, but um, just, yeah, for him to pull away and, you know, we sort of talked about it last week, whether Dino would, you know, try really hard to do the clean, 
clean sweep or, you know, just sort of settle for whatever he could and just take the title home. Uh, I think, you know, it still looked like Dean was trying um, towards the end, but Clout just, you know, I've kept saying to you that, you know, the gaps here, judging off, you know, where they both were on the track at one time, um, and it just seems like, you know, Clout was managing it, but, uh, yeah, start to finish and, uh, and the whole shots, yeah, really cool. Yeah, look, it doesn't really matter whether, you know, Dino was pushing or not. You know, Luke got to the finish line first with quite a gap, even after he rolled the, the whoops and most of the last lap, he still had a decent gap by the time he got there. So he put in the effort, he pulled off all the things he needed to in terms of a start and those early laps to maintain and like to build and maintain a gap. So well done to Luke Clout. Um, and like you said, it was it was the best that I've seen him ride in quite some time. And then he carried that over into Saturday night and we'll get to that later on. But yeah, look, I think from from a Luke and Aaron Clout's point of view for the weekend, it couldn't have gone too much better. They did pretty much everything they possibly could and they maximised their results and they hopefully have maximised what's to come for next year because obviously we know that um, with the press releases that have come out and some of the stuff that was said across the weekend on the commentary from the event uh, that Luke isn't back with CDR for next year. So hopefully he's got something all tied up, which I believe we'll be able to talk about here in a few weeks' time. But, yeah, look, it was a, it was a great weekend for Luke to finish out his time there with CDR Yamaha. So, yeah, nice work, Luke. Um, what else? The other thing, this, one other special mention we'll go back to here um, at the start here. Um, Joel and Ty at Club MX Yamaha. So Joel actually is one of our t- um, sponsors here on the Always Moto podcast, Tech 167. Uh, he was actually doing a fill-in mechanic job. Now, Benny, I didn't realize this was a thing until till we saw Joel on um, on Sat- or Friday morning and then Saturday that they had the Aussie, some Aussie fill-ins for the Club MX team. They didn't send over their usual mechanics from the States that were you know going around with the team because they had so many fill-in riders. Um, they were using some locals to fill in, obviously trying to keep costs down for the team. Um, but it was a really cool thing for then Joel to be able to do. But then Ty uh, is actually, he's an Aussie, but he's actually part of the Club MX team living over there nowadays. And he was back here with Luke Nice. So those guys were actually, one, obviously Joel was really accommodating. We knew him um, and was showing us what was happening. Um, but then we met Ty as well at one point, uh, and he was, yeah, really cool about to showing us what was going on with the Club MX team and talking about things over back at back home in, in their um, their base there, that big facility that you get to see on their Club MX YouTube channel. It was a really cool time to be talking to both of those guys as well because then, um, don't know if you realise, Benny, but um, you probably saw it on Joel's Facebook and stuff, but Joel was actually mechanicing for Cole Thompson and Cole managed to get on the podium on Saturday night too, so... Pretty good effort or pretty good weekend for Joel to be um, filling in, doing something he had a bucket list side of things to do and then to end up on the podium as well just to cap it all off, mate. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, you know, that was the first time I'd met Joel and uh, actually I, there's a, a guy that lives around the corner from me that uh, I'm friends with and it just happened to actually be one of his best mates, uh, Joel, which I didn't know until I just sort of had a post up about being at World Supercross and he said that my mate's uh, mechanicking for uh, club and then, yeah, we put two and two together and that's who it was. So, uh, yeah, small world, but uh, it was really good. I mean, Ty, you know, he 
gave us a lot of information, but then, you know, he was asking, you know, asked, I guess, all three of us what we do, you know. It wasn't just us asking him questions. Uh, so that made it, you know, um, pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, lucky for Joel too, for, uh, you know, Cole to get on the podium. And, um, you know, it was pretty cool to see Reese uh, Bud have his, um, you know, get that feeling right and do pretty well as on the weekend. So uh, all of that, you know, again, was, um, you know, really cool to be a part of. I feel like we had some pretty good, like from past guests on the show, you know, sponsors in the show, people we knew. I feel like we had some really good connections in the World Supercross pits on on Saturday, like Friday and Saturday, um, between the Club MX team, obviously with Reese Bud, who we we talking to quite a bit now, um, filling in there. Cole Thompson, who we filled in a bit with. Luke Nice, who I've spoken to quite a bit on the show as, as well. Um, and then obviously Joel, and and then meeting Ty. That that pit, we pretty much knew everybody in there. It seemed like, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and then obviously the CDR bit with Aaron and Luke Clout. But then also the Rick Ware pits with um, Henry Miller was pretty cool. Um, Henry took us in and showed us a little bit of stuff there too and got some content with him. And same with Cullen Park in the Pipes Motorsports group bit. P- Cullen was more than happy for us to come in and chat to him as well, which is really cool. So, you know, it's just just kind of awesome to see that these American riders that we've sort of spoken to once or twice here and there as soon as the, the face was put to the name for Always Moto Podcast, they were in and they were talking to us. It was it was really cool from our side of things to be able to meet them and then have them participate in what we were trying to do for that weekend's content um, as much as they did. Yeah, and with, uh, with Cullen, it was, <laughs> I think, what did we talk to him on Friday at some stage and He's like, I've never hit a steel ramp. Like, I've never hit a freestyle ramp. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm freaking out. Like, I don't know how it's going to go. And, uh, you know, we went up to the press box and waited for them to come out and, you know, waited for that first time, you know, for him to hit it. And then uh, I don't think we got to talk to him until Saturday. But, you know, it's we went back up and asked him and he's like, it was scary. But, you know, he's like, I just hit it. A lot, uh, you know, I hit it fast enough that I was going to overjump and not come up short because uh, he was watching some of the uh, SX2 guys and the SX3 guys that, you know, had a bit of a tough time to start with uh, landing, you know, off the freestyle ramps. But, uh, yeah, he had a good laugh. He was really, you know, accommodating. Every time he'd go past, he'd give us a wave or whatever. So, um, yeah, for future events, you know, hopefully they, you know, they remember and, they want to, you know, keep involving us. Yeah, isn't it funny how you, you, you don't know any of these guys, right? But as soon as you actually, you know, one introduced and they realize who you are or where you're from, um, they're all just like us. They're all just moto guys. They all, you know, silly things like I've never hit a ramp before. I don't know how it's going to be. I would be exactly the same. You know, I've never hit a ramp before. I'd be packing it too if I hit one for the first time. And he's there on a World Supercross level, you know, got a sponsored ride and all that sort of stuff and he's there packing shit about a steel ramp but then it's funny because then we can put shit on him and he and he cops it and he it's just like you're talking to a mate at that point it's it's one of the rare things that our sport the the personalities in our sport for the most part uh, are open like that and they're just like any of your other mates that you ride with they all have the same ideas in their head you know you can always put a little bit of shit on them and they'll put a little bit of shit on you and it just it just goes around it's just a funny 
environment that all motor riders tend to have the same sort of personalities and you know same thought processes so yeah you fit in really well as soon as that first initial barrier is broken down of you know hi i'm david or hi i'm hi i'm ben you know it, it away it goes sort of thing the conversation usually flows pretty easily because you've got a common ground you're all talking moto yeah that's right and you know if, i guess for you you know you've talked to uh, you know, you talk to him and talk to Luke Neese and a few other, you know, these people. And uh, for me, this is, you know, and Jen, that was the first time that, you know, we had talked to them and, you know, within five, ten minutes, it was like, you know, we'd known them forever. You know, we saw Luke uh, walking through, Luke Neese walking through the pits at some stages and, you know, you could have a laugh or make a joke and, you know, you was straight into it as well, you know. Um I think we said at one point, you know, right up the end where the Club of Max pit was that they were a bit quiet and uh, Luke goes, yeah, we've got the shit end of the stick yeah. <laughs> being right up here next to the – being up here right next to the refueling thing because um, it stunk up there pretty much all, you know, all weekend. Um, but, yeah, just things like that makes it, you know, makes it really cool and uh, a lot of people, you know, don't have the chance to, uh, you know, do what – we do and um you know so they don't you know they don't get to talk to a lot of these people so that makes it like i said a bit earlier with everything else it just makes it uh uh really special when you actually get the time to do it and you're allowed to do it yeah definitely now i've got a comment too on on luke niece's hair how impressive is his curls hair underneath his hat when he's got his hat on Yes, you made that comment oh, when we were there. It's so and, just like uh, poof out it, the sides. It's insane. Yeah, I think it. Uh, there's a bit of work that goes into that. But uh, can you imagine putting all that under a helmet? Don't oh. worry about the hat. Worry about the helmet. Yeah, look, he's probably upper size in the helmet or something to get it all in there. But, yeah, it is impressive how much, like, volume it has. I was looking for the right word there, and I think volume's the right word. But, yeah, it's um, he's got an impressive head of hair that pops out of, out from under the hat when he's walking around in the pits, Luke Nice. So, yeah, whatever you're doing, mate, keep it up. It's impressive. Hopefully you don't lose it over time. You're still a young man. Let's see where it gets to. But, look, let's go back to those results on Friday night. Uh, the other one we need to cover off, one obviously is that Dean Wilson won the SX1 title for the Australian Championship there with that second place that he got on Friday night. There's the only sort of blip in his in his uh, title run in terms of he won every other race. So still good, but not what he might have been. But Max Anstey in that SX2 class, he is on another level. Won every single race. He cleaned it, cleared out and won the SX2 event there for the 15 laps on Friday night, even despite the fact that, as we thought he might do, he didn't look completely dominant to begin with, but he built into that race so nicely and just maintained a pace. Um, And as we spoke to him afterwards on Friday night, he had a view to Saturday night's world championship, and really that was the one that he wanted. He wanted to be world champion. He said it a few times. He wanted to be the first British champion in a long time, and... He got that done on Saturday, but the Friday night win, Friday night win was just as impressive for my mind. Yeah, he's you know we, we've talked about it, and just the the run that he's on is uh, it's ridiculous. You know, from you know starting last year in our series, um, and just the momentum's kept going. Um, him 
going through those whoops on the weekend was something else. Uh, I reckon even in the 450 class, he was like matching anyone in the 450 class going through those whoops. Um, and probably, you know, speed-wise, I haven't looked at lap times, but uh, I reckon that he'd probably nearly be pretty close uh, at some stages. But, yeah, he's just ridiculous. Uh, and I think going into next season, um, I would probably put him pretty close to the top of whatever coast uh, he's on. Yeah, I he would be in that top five, whatever coast it is, because he's just got a consistent package going at the moment. Like the bike is comfortable, he knows where he's what he's doing. He's riding. He's got these settings down. He's fit. He's healthy. Um, when he heads back to the states, he'll have that consistent training location that they've been using there at. Um, I think it's the Millsaps facility, if I'm not mistaken, that they've been using there for that Firepower Honda. Um, Marty Davalos seems to be having a really good run there as the team manager and getting things done. So it all just seems to be working for Max Anstey and that Firepower Honda team. And I don't see anything changing anytime soon for him unless obviously there's you know that injury issue that could pop up at any point for anybody. But let's hope that doesn't happen. But I think the thing for Max is that next year, I would dare say he definitely wants to run that number one on the SX2 bike next year. But... There might be a bit of an interesting question posed to him from uh, Uribe at some point. Depending on which riders Uribe's going to manage to get back for that SX1 class in 2024 for Australian Supercross as to whether Max runs the 250 or 450 in Australian Supercross next year. That would be an interesting thing to see how that plays out. It might be... Like, I would expect that Max would probably push that off until the following year. But depending on what happens with, with contracts and whatnot, if Justin Brayton does fully retire, if Dean Wilson is done, as he sort of sounds like he might be getting towards being done, maybe doing one more AMA season and that might be it, does that leave Uribe with a, I need somebody better in the SX1 class in this, in this Honda for this Honda Australia ride? I, I don't know yet. Yeah, well, you know, I would think that uh, Dino comes back next year and defends at least. You would think um, so, but there yeah. is a long gap between the end of the AMA and the start of the Australian Supercross. So, you know, is that still is that still what Dean wants to do? I don't know. Like, just the, the sights of his knees are horrible. Did you look at his knees on the weekend, by the way, Benny? I'd never brought this up to you, but I saw him a couple of times and I... I just cringe and walk away. I didn't actually happen to notice, but I did see only because he pointed it out on uh, his Instagram post? story. Yeah. Yes, I, I he said, "How's the knees?" And uh, yeah, when you look at it, they're not uh, they're not pretty. That's for sure. No, I had a bit of a look when he was standing there. There's a funny story in this. So when at one point during the weekend, Jen is a bit of a Dean Wilson fan. Um, asked me to get her a photo with Dean and, you know, she would sort of do whatever she whatever I wanted for the week. So I promptly, you know, the man of the house, decided that this needed to be, be solved. Uh, went directly around the corner from where we were just to the pits and grabbed Dino and said, I need a picture with you and the wife. And then he happily obliged. Jen promptly reneged on that deal. But anyway, that's, that's another matter. We'll talk about that off air. Um, but then, yeah, at that point was when I was having a bit of a look at Dean's knees because he was in the in the shorts and stuff at that point. And maybe even later in the day, I think I saw him another time with the shorts in a different angle and 
geez, those knees are just horrible. There's just lumps and bumps and wounds, like scars and stuff from past surgeries just everywhere. And yeah, I don't know how long he's going to want to keep pushing those things along because at some point in his very early years, he's going to be up for some knee replacements, I would dare say. Yeah, that, you know, when you look at them, there's, uh, like you said, lumps and bumps and l- literally looks like there's another knee growing out to one side. He looks of, like his knee you know. swallowed a golf ball. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not uh, not very nice, but, uh, you know. Well, yeah, I, I would think that he'll come back next year. Brayton reckons that he's going to come back, but, again, it's a long time between now and then. Uh, so, yeah, I... You, you would think at one point, too, that maybe Max would want to move up anyway and... What's well, the natural progression, you know, see, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, see, but, you know, at the moment, like he keeps mentioning, he's uh, he's grabbing every bit of uh, every last cent from your reef and I guess he'll keep taking that uh, opportunity while he can. Well, I guess the question with that, too, will be if he continues this sort of run and, and is actually quite successful maybe he does get a few more podiums maybe even another win in the ama you know whatever coast he does um in 2024 will you reeve be able to afford him in 2025 is the next question yeah um, it's you know well, there could be other offers coming you know other offers on the table that uh you know he might want to jump at but uh you know it, just the things he says and whatnot, you think that he'd be pretty uh, pretty loyal and I think Yareve would probably do as much as he could to uh, to keep him on and make it work. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what that is in you know in another six months' time if there's some, some sort of change or announcement about all that because, yeah, be keen to see what that see what that ends up being and looking like because, yeah, I, I dare say his... Um, you know, sign-on fee is going to be a lot higher come next contract for Max Anstey because he has done really, really well. Um, all right, so that's I think that covers off our Friday night side of things. Um, obviously, Saturday night's World Supercross was a different format from, from the Australian Supercross. We had a traditional 20-lap and 15-lap on the Friday night for Australian Supercross. On the Saturday night, we did the traditional World Supercross three-race format. Um, it is so hard, Benny, for me to understand all three or understand, I know what that happened, but to remember all three moto results and anything useful that happened in those three motos, then to be able to then talk to half of the field, let's say, afterwards for post-race interviews and sound like I know what happened to them throughout, throughout the night. It is, it's ridiculous. There's so much that happens in those motos. You can't keep up with all of it. No, you can't. And, uh, you know, you were making your little, you know, notes there in your phone to sort of, you know, help Save my with the interviews. But the interview point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even uh, even some of the riders didn't even know what they had done or what they had come. So uh, it's not just you. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, there's so much going on between the two classes and, um you know, they're worrying about how the bike feels and whatnot, you know, uh, towards, the, you know, getting the title. I'd say everything else is, you know, taking their mind off. Uh, but, yeah, they're just, yeah, triple crowns are so full on. 
I feel like for the benefit of the fan, and this is a, I'm saying this in light of Adam Bailey's comments that we've referred to a few times over these podcasts in recent times, that fan experience, the fan needs to know who won the event when they leave. And I don't think 90% of that fan group left going, oh yeah, um, Ken Roxon won outright on on Saturday night in WSX class and I don't even I couldn't even tell you right now who got second or third. I'd have to look it up. Um because, you know, Colt Nichols won that final moto for that that class. Yes, the SX two class is obvious. Max Anstey won all three. That's obvious. But that doesn't happen hardly at all. Yeah, and as you know, if I think uh there was a bit of confusion going on when it came time to actually hand out awards and stuff like that on the podium too, uh, from what we could see up at the press box. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw who won, we saw how it finished and whatnot, but when you go to the overall results, I mean, we, as soon as it finished, we got up and left, um, left the press box and went down to the pit. So, uh, yeah, I'm not even really sure what, <laughs> you know, first, second and third was. Um, in the 450 class, I, you know, I know the 250, but, yeah, the 450 class, it was a bit more confusing and, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, not 100% sure. No, and I'm even trying to just quickly now jump onto the uh, World Supercross website to, to get those results and the World Supercross results page is, is horrible, to be honest. They've got the championship outright, but that's it. So it's not easier to navigate, and that's what I mean from the fan point of view. They need to know who who won these things. It's it's not it's not not great for them to walk out of that and not understand who was the overall winner. Um, and look, I can't even find it quickly on CompuTime. It's not that easy. But this is where oh, that's right. Mitchell Oldenburg was one of the one of the big turnups of the night. But I think overall. Oh, hey. Sorry, go on, Benny. He, well, I just, I'm just looking at the results here on the Instagram because it's ten times quicker to find. <laughs> uh, he got second overall on the night. Yeah, um, is what is what this is telling me. Well, that's that's handy, um, but yeah, like he he had a really good run. But this is this is my point: is that you know you the fan needs to understand better. So I think the fan they need to make a bit of a shift here in terms of. Giving a giving a format that then they can understand who it is, and that can be as simple as they just need to have better coverage of that, uh, like access of the overall running positions throughout the event, which is something I didn't notice, Benny. I don't think you would have seen it either. If they if they did, did they talk about it on on the ground announcers? Did they put it up on the overhead boards? Obviously, I was looking up and down at my notes and trying to make notes and post photos and all that sort of crap. But I didn't hear him talking about that at all or, or put up a running point position of it, you know, during a moto or during that final moto to say, hey, this is what's happening on the points at this point in time. And no, and half the time we just had a timing screen that you couldn't see because their World Supercross one wasn't working properly on the screen. Um so I, I don't think it was on the coverage. I flicked through it, um, and I don't think it was on there either. So it makes it hard. Like you said, you know, people in the crowd got no idea. We didn't have any idea. Um, and it's only, you know, now going back to 
the Instagram page to see the results as to, you know, we can find out who it is. So that's, you know, <laughs> that's like going to, you know, the V8s or something like that and you have no idea who's winning or what's going on um, championship-wise and race-wise. It's just, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, they need to they need to simplify this somehow, or at least provide more information live to the to the fan in the stand. And to again, I haven't seen the TV coverage because I haven't had time to go back and watch that yet. Uh, but if if they weren't doing it on there, they need to be doing that. Otherwise, they need to come up with a simpler outcome to to show like a format to show who is winning it at any point in the night. You can just go, "Yep, I know who's winning at the moment. I know who's second. I know who's third. And not just within an individual race, because, like we said, the when we would go, and you you might have heard some of this when I was setting up the interviews, you know, trying to talk to the guys before we hit record post race, but. So many of them had no idea what happened for the, throughout the night for themselves, let alone anybody else or their teammates. And I was sort of in the same position because like, the results weren't available to, to download at that point. Um, and so, yeah, it just makes that, that whole piece afterwards of us trying to talk to the riders about their nights even more difficult as well, um, which is, yeah, something that I wanted to put some feedback to those guys is that they need to have that that visibility available but they also then need to have more of these riders available afterwards to for a longer period as well so that we can have access to them for a bit more to get better content from them because they're all trying to run off weren't they benny after the event had been done yeah they were and uh, you on the coverage uh after that first 250 moto uh anstey's team were telling him that he had won like the title that was it it was done uh, but he had no idea. No one could tell him apart from the team. Uh, and then I think the team started to second guess whether or not uh, he'd won. So, you know, if they just, yeah, need to get it up on the screen and, you know, let the whole crowd, uh, let the whole crowd see. So, it, you know, makes it more engaging. Last year was, uh, I think last year was a bit better, to be honest. It was, you know, you had Ken, you had Vince, and you had uh, Brayton all, I think it was winner takes all, basically. Um, and they were talking about that, you know, on the ground over the speakers. And this year it was it was quiet. So, uh, yeah, it just made it that little bit more difficult. Well, if we go back to last year, like one, I wasn't sitting in the press box last year when I was watching. I was watching it from the industry seating there right near the entranceway for, for the for the riders from World Supercross Pits, in that position, you couldn't even hear the ground announcers when the races were going on. You couldn't hear anything. So um, that was difficult last year. At least this year, it's probably just the position that we're sitting in. We're obviously up higher away from the track noise um, from the bikes and closer to the speakers. We could hear quite well this year. So maybe they made an overall improvement to the speakers. But, yeah, last year I couldn't hear anything. So um, either way... Um, it still needs to – it's obviously still a work in progress for these guys. Obviously, the World Supercross, the SX Global Group, they're getting better with each one of these, but and there's more things to be done. But, yeah, that's one thing that I think they really need to be focused on for the fans to, to understand what's happening throughout the night and to walk out of there knowing exactly this guy won, this guy second, this guy third, and not have to wait around for the podiums and stuff because that's not something that most people are doing. You saw – you see it with every sporting event, you know, three quarters of the way through, if your team's losing, the, the crowd's starting to empty out. Well, the same thing happened. As soon as the last uh, SX2 moto was done, 
some of the crowd were starting to head out the door. They didn't hang around for the final WSX moto, you know. So they need to have better, you know, better engagement of the fans because they might have then stuck stuck around a bit longer if they knew that, you know, the last position on the podium was still up for grabs or something like that. So, yeah, something they can improve on still. Now let's get to the results side of things. Like we mentioned, Max Anstey just killed it. Um, world champion in the SX2 class by quite a bit in the end. Shane McElrath didn't have much for him. Unfortunately, had a bit of a rough night with a tough block being caught in his bike at one point. Um, but the man that gave most of the, well, the couple of men that gave the most of the run to Anstey were actually some of the Aussie boys, uh, particularly in Moto1. Nate Crawford pulled a whole shot. Luke Clout was right behind him. Uh, and unfortunately for Nathan Crawford, about three quarters of the way through that race, he went down and missed out on a really good finish. But Luke Clout just carried on that momentum from Friday night's win. Uh, he managed to get some really good results across all three motos and ended up finding himself up on the box in third position overall. So well done to uh, Luke Clout again. But yeah, Nathan Crawford, I th- he missed out on one there, Benny. I thought he had... I thought he had a like a third or a fourth in that first moto begging for him, but he just went down with, I think it was about one or two laps to go. Hey, yeah, it was pretty unlucky. Uh, like you said, pulled the whole shot and was looking really, um, really good. And, uh, you know, was racing Clout uh, a fair bit too. And I think Clout got him in the whoops there. Um, but yeah, just, you know, really unlucky to not get a, um, you know, to get a good result. The, you mentioned the whoops there. That was for me. That was a big separator from the couple of really top guys in the world supercross to the sort of mid pack and back. And even then, you notice the difference from the Aussie guys to the world supercross guys because the Aussie guys didn't seem to be able to carry the same speed throughout the whole set. So that whoop set was actually a reasonable length, reasonable height, um, and just yeah, the the entrance obviously a ninety degree essentially flat corner the berm was useful for some but it was a bit further of the way out after that rhythm um they, there wasn't a lot of entry speed that was to be gained and so those guys like the aussie guys weren't getting through them as well and that was evident with nathan crawford one luke clout was able to get past him but luke's got probably a bit more supercross skills there than than nathan crawford has at this point in in, in both of their careers and then obviously then luke was still a step down from you know, Max Anstey in that section as well. So there was a bit of a discrepancy in that section of track for me. Uh, yeah, he was just, you know, quick um, quick there all night. But, uh, you know, for the Australian boys to get up there and, um, you know, take it to him as best as they can, uh, I think Clout held Anstey off for, uh, what, maybe two laps, three laps. He gave him a fair um, run. But, yeah... Yeah, but he's just, uh, you know, like we said, he's just on another level, uh, has been for, I guess it's 12 months now. And, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what um, what he gets next year. But just going to the, the overalls for um, the championship, like Clout got third in the championship. He was 33, uh, 33 points away from third position, uh, after Abu Dhabi, and to end up third overall in the championship is uh, a pretty decent effort. It just shows the consistency in those last three motos in Melbourne is what did it for him. Like, if he had had one bad moto there, he probably wouldn't have made that up. But 
that consistency and those results, the confidence he was running from Friday night, I think brought him through all that. And yeah, well done to end up on the world championship podium there for, for Luke Clout. That's, that's an awesome result. The other one who rode really well, again, it might be coincidental, but like obviously Max Anstey rode Friday night, Luke Clout rode Friday night, Nathan Crawford rode Friday night. The other guy that got on the podium overall on Saturday night in the World Supercross event was Cole Thompson, also rode Friday night. Their familiarity with the track and racing on the track might have helped them out uh, in terms of what they were able to do on World Supercross night for Saturday. Yeah, I think it gave them a really big um, advantage. Uh, a lot of a lot of them said that the track was uh, a lot different on Saturday night compared to Friday night. But and there was a few things that got changed up, uh, a few different lines, and uh, the wall jump after the finish was turned into a bit more of a ski jump, and a few other little things here and there. But yeah, I think that full night. Um, the night before made a made a big difference. Yeah, I think it just gave them confidence in what they were doing because both like Luke Clout, Max Anstey, and and uh, Cole Thompson all had good nights on Friday night. So confidence was high for those guys. They already knew the track, they knew it well. They did they performed well, so it probably wasn't too difficult for them to come out and repeat it on the Saturday night. So yeah, just maybe coincidence, maybe not. But um, yeah, look, it was a good night for those. Aussie-based competitors, or at least Australian Supercross-based competitors. So, yeah, really well done there. Um, I'll make a quick mention too. One of the funnier moments of the weekend for us was uh, was Mad Max Miller uh, over the finish line jump. We managed to capture him a couple of times early in the, the first sessions on Friday, getting completely sideways off that finish line. And I made a point to go up and see Max at some point on Saturday and point out that we'd been getting some good photos of him. And I'm pretty certain I just stirred the pot because pretty much from then on, he was not straight off that jump ever again. Um, and I'm pretty sure he was looking up at us at some points too, Benny. But um, Max Miller can definitely throw it down sideways off a finish line uh, metal ramp. He can. Uh, and, you know, like you said, once you, once you said something to him, he made a, you know, made a point of doing it, but I think um, I'm going to have to give it to Greg Aranda for the uh, the biggest one of the weekend. Scrub off the from metal ramp. <laughs> that was insane. I saw a different angle of that today on Instagram from the other side of the stadium from what we were sitting on, so the finish line's left side. And when he landed, oh, my God, he was lucky to stay alive. Yeah, the and the, I actually sent it in our group chat before, uh, and it's yeah the left leg comes off and he goes flying towards the berm, and uh, yeah the the scrub was good, um, but yeah the the landing not so much. I don't know how you scrub a metal ramp. Like the whole concept of a scrub is that you are sliding the front wheel up the face as it's you know turning sideways and turning down so that you're actually going through the jump, not up the jump, if that makes sense. And I don't know how he got that front tire to slip on the metal ramp, but he did. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, I don't think he was meant to because his body was hanging off the side when he when he landed. Um, and, yeah, like we said, nearly nearly died because I'm pretty sure he would have poo stain in his pants at that point too. It wouldn't have been a pleasant experience. Yeah, I don't think he, uh, I don't think he expected it to, yeah, sort of be – um, 
end like it did. And I think just there was a little bit of an overjump from because uh, he got the quad before the finish. I think that was one of the first times he'd hit it. And so then he did the scrub, but yeah, still overjumped it a little bit. And then, um, yeah, the left foot come off. But Harry Pink did the same thing. Um, well, he did that double flip and then Whiskey throttled it and ended up over one berm and into the next one and was lucky that he didn't uh, didn't go flying into the stands. Yeah, come join the crowd. Yeah, he was lucky that, <laughs> at that point. But, um, yeah. but look, on Gregory Aranda, that guy can ride, eh? Like he was going super quick both nights. Didn't get great results, but, man, he could turn a single lap time when he wanted to. Yeah, and... He, he was hitting things that, um, you know, like we said, he was the first one to pull the quad out before the finish line uh, and a few other things. And I'm uh, pretty sure he topped qualifying at 1.2. So uh, it was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, he, he was really on fire. Just like I said, the results overall probably didn't show his speed that he had. But, yeah, he was one of the first to do lots of those obstacles. Um, so yeah, well done, Gregory. I actually said at one point he needs to get himself to the to an AMA event this year because he looked like he was on point, uh, and he might might do himself some favors over there. But who knows what's in his plans for for the coming season? But um, yeah, he definitely looked good in Marvel Stadium, that's for sure. Now let's um, let's go to a couple of little injury updates here across the Melbourne Supercross round. Um, one we'll go back to a fill-in that we didn't mention the previous show that I knew about and I completely forgot when I did the emergency department for last episode. But Lawson Bopping, of all people, was back filling in for Matt Moss's Empire Kawasaki ride in the Australian Supercross. So Lawson Bopping, who himself was missed out on most of his racing towards the last few years because of health issues, um, was able to put together an effort for, for one night with Empire Kawasaki, which was really cool. I don't know... Don't know what you think of it, Benny, but um, I thought that was pretty cool to see Boppo back and turn a few good lap times. He probably didn't have the fitness for the whole 20 laps, but, yeah, just awesome to see Boppo back out there on track. Yeah, no, it's cool to see. Uh, you know, he was, you know, a few years ago wasn't around and, you know, was pretty quick. And uh, to be honest, I sort of haven't really heard anything uh about him for a few years and then I saw that they said that he was going to ride and uh, I think that was one of the first pits that we went to and took a uh, took a few photos mm. of the bike and whatnot so um, yeah no it was pretty cool to uh, to see him back but uh, disappointing for Moss at the same time. Yeah of course obviously you don't want to see anybody hurt but it is nice that these Aussie teams a few of them did it last year and they've done it again this year in terms of even if it is one ride, they're giving somebody else the chance to fill in on the bike. So I kind of like that. It's not, you know, it's not just fixed and park the bike up. They're giving somebody else a go, which is awesome. Um, so then into some other injury updates. Friday night in the World Supercross practice, unfortunately, Jace Owen had a massive one at the end of one of the rhythm lanes, ended up plowing himself into a berm. Um, caused the red flag. He managed to break four ribs uh, and was still in hospital on the Saturday and his team put up some nice posts to say get well soon, Jace. But, um, yeah, no no good for Jace Owen. Wasn't able to race the World Supercross event in the end. 
Um, so, yeah, disappointment for him. And then Phil Nicoletti, we saw him in the pits after the final races. He was giving the thumbs up to a few people. He managed to not finish. He DNF'd the third moto. In the second corner, he went down, and I think somebody or something landed on his foot, uh, and he limped off the track there, but he was up walking around. No support, no, no regular shoes. Um, you know, like I said, giving thumbs up to people. He's A-OK. He's probably just got a nice bruise there and might need a day or two just to rest. But by the time he's back in the States, which probably be about now, um, he'll be fine. He'll be training again later or early next week. So, um, yeah, good to see that Phil's OK with that one. But, um, yeah, never good when you see somebody limping off the track like uh, Nicoletti did, Benny. No, and uh, just going back, uh, you know, you, Jen said I'll I'll do anything if you get me that photo with uh, Dino. I said this, I said the same thing to you, and uh, every time we went to look at Phil, he just looked like he had the shit. So we just uh, we just left that, <laughs> left it at yeah, that. Yeah, and I wasn't as enticed to do anything with you for the next week as I was the wife. So you know, I'm sorry, but that's just yeah, not not how I was programmed at that point. So I wasn't too incentivized by that comment, mate. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so look, that was a couple of injury updates. Good thing there wasn't too many injuries across the whole weekend down in Melbourne. I don't know whether that was the fact of the track build or just the final round or, or what it was, but things were pretty good. Now, actually, on that, let's touch on something. We haven't got this in the notes, Benny, so we're going to fly off the off the hip here. We talked about it on the previous round about would Melbourne be the saving grace of the series and. I got to say, after being there on the ground, seeing the track, walking the track, seeing the riders, um, hearing their responses in the post-race interviews, and how not one of them mentioned the track being shit, and all of them saying how much of a good time they had in the Melbourne event, I think it was the saving grace. Yeah, I'll agree. Uh, we we did track walk and it lasted all of what maybe 10 minutes yeah it wasn't a good track um, walk they'd, they'd stuffed up their uh their prep there at somehow some way and yeah the track walk was cut very very short yeah so um i think if anyone wasn't happy with something i think it would you know probably be that and a few other little things but uh yeah it was you know like i said we have you know i guess more access than uh than most people but the racing was good the track was good uh especially that far uh rhythm lane before the whoops it was you know there was a few different options there um and it just you know the like i said the racing was good and it was a you know it was a decent sized track the only thing i'm sort of disappointed in and that's this has got nothing to do with anybody really it's just the venue is so big, the crowd just looked a little small. Although it wasn't small, the it was okay for you know an Australian round, a World Supercross round. It, it just looked worse because the stadium can hold something like 70,000 people, I think it was, that I looked up. The varying configurations can hold different amounts, but it sort of mentioned 70 as an upper number. you know. And when we get like 20-odd thousand in the venue, it kind of looks empty. But it's you know it's still twenty or thousand people in there, which is still pretty good for an Aussie Supercross round. Uh, yeah, and you know I mentioned it. Uh, I think Saturday night or Friday night. You know we you could see the Marvel riding uh, on the other side of the stadium because they're different coloured seats, and it says Marvel. Um, 
but on World Supercross night last year, you could not see a seat there. And then this year, there was still, I think, the first four or five rows left over there. Um, and I sort of didn't think that there was as many people um, as last year, but more towards, you know, when the actual racing started, it sort of started to fill up more. But, uh, yeah, I think it was probably a little bit quieter than, uh, than last year. Mm, just a little bit. But, yeah, look, overall, the sentiment from the riders when we're talking to them during the event, post-event, not one of them mentioned the track being an issue. Not many of them mentioned the, the format or the venue. They, they were all positive on it. Yes, they were disappointed in, you know, their individual results for some of them. But, yeah, there was no ill will towards the, the venues as there was probably previously at round two at least for the World Supercross side of things and, and um, the opening round for the Aussie round side of things. So, yeah, look, I think... I think it capped off things nicely and set them in a good position again um, heading into their next ventures for 2024. So, yeah, awesome round for, for us to finish on on that side of things. Now, WSX, well, the, Oh, yep, go. The, but before, before you go ahead, the man who asked that question last week, would this be the saving grace for the season? Mr. Blair. Mm-hmm. So we set a time to meet people on the Saturday night because there was more people there. And we said, you know, that was going to be the Always Moto group meetup. 5.30, aisle 19, we were there. We met, uh, we met Lachlan. There's him and his brother there watching for the weekend. How many times did you ring Blair, Dave? Uh, I'm going to say a couple. There was a fair few. Yeah, and I rang as well. Nothing. No reply, no callback, nothing. We left at 5.32, I reckon, because we'd already been talking to Lachlan for probably five, ten minutes because he was there early. No one else was coming. It was was more like 40, at 5.40 or so, because we we knew we had to be in the seats by 6 and we had to make the way up the stairs. So it was a bit further after 32, but, but, yeah, I get your point. We left not long after the time we said we'd meet, but um, we did try to ring a few times in the lead up to that. Um, but yeah, nada. Yeah. And uh, yeah, where, I don't know where he was. He just, yeah, nothing happened. Well, what time was it that <laughs> he sent that message <laughs> that he said he's, he's there and we were already back up in the seats watching the Supercross? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what I mean. We were there, you know, waiting and... He just, yeah, didn't, um, yeah, didn't turn up. Oh, so. look, he's enjoying yeah, his night anyway. at the Supercross. That's fine. We'll have to catch him somewhere else. But, um, but yeah. No, it, it was. It, it was. We So we said 5.30. We left at like 5.32, got in the lift, went up. At 5.35, Blair replied, I'm here now. Yeah, right. Like, literally, as soon as we left, he turned up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Well, maybe we could have waited longer. Anyway, we'll see. it is what it is. But yeah, we were trying. We missed him. We'll have to get we'll have to get his response in a banter. We're not doing a banter this week, but we'll have to get a Blair's banter next week. And I'm sure he can uh, give it to us about not hanging around and having no patience or something. But uh, but yeah, look, we we tried, Blair. <laughs> All right, World Supercross race um, for the for big big boys. Um, it was a Ken Roxon show. Simple, plain and simple. Apart from the final moto where he got a bit of a bad start, 
The rest of the weekend was all about Ken. Uh, he didn't look completely comfortable all weekend, Benny, but he still managed to get the job completely done. Yeah, Friday night in the two practice sessions they had, he did not look uh, fast or comfortable at all. Uh, and then even uh, Saturday, you know, in the <clears throat> the practice and qualifying on Saturday and then the heats, he didn't really look comfortable. Um and then, you know, they did the Super Bowl and uh, Savachi did, oh, what was the time, whatever the time was, and we both looked at each other and we were like, there's no way. Like, they hadn't gone that quick all day. Uh, and then Ken just came out and beat that by a fair chunk and that was it. The rest of the night he was pretty much on point. Yeah, he, he definitely, that sort of kicked him in the gear. Whether he was just waiting for that point in the weekend to really show what he had or something, I don't know. But, yeah, he definitely didn't look comfortable up until that point. But even after that point, as much as he won, I don't think the bike was completely handling exactly how he wanted. And the couple of times I noticed it, it just seemed like the rear rebound was just really fast and the bike was just standing up and bouncing a little bit, particularly in the whoops. Like, he was still getting through the whoops faster than just about anybody else, but he wasn't going in a straight line. The thing was bouncing a bit side to side. So whether his entry was on an angle or, like I said, maybe his shock setting was just a little bit off, but he was definitely making tweaks on that Friday night in those practice sessions about the suspension and stuff. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't... Um, wasn't what we what I expected to see from Ken. I thought I'd see a more clinical, like um, uh, a clinical display from him. Like it still looks like it on the surface, on the paper when you look at the results. But the writing itself, when you watch it closely, it, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But he got the job done. He's he's the repeat world champion now. He's a two-time world Supercross champion. So well done, Ken Roxon and Pipes Motorsport Group. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it comes down to, uh, you know, the bike is obviously one thing, but, you know, there's been a fair bit of travel, a fair bit of time away from home um, and, you know, interviews, press conferences, meeting the fans, all that sort of stuff. Um, I wonder at this point, you know, if he was just that little bit fatigued as well that may have uh, played a factor in that. Uh, you know, the series is... Well, he's basically the face of the series. Uh, so he has to do a little bit more than everyone else. And, uh, you know, they went surfing on the Thursday morning and uh, whatnot. But, yeah, I just wonder if that has, you know, anything to do with it as well. Yeah, it might have. Um, it's a fair call on that side of things because he was in demand for the media aspects. We saw him there on, uh, was that Friday night that he did the, yeah, it must have been Friday night that he did the cross to the project, the live cross from the from the f um, floor of the stadium. Um, we saw him when he was heading out. We saw him when he came back in. He just, he didn't seem to have any time for us at that point. Obviously, he was busy, but on the way back in, that's all he really had to do for the night. And, um, you know, we're trying to chat to him and he, he just sort of disappeared into the back. And, and um, you know, the energy level wasn't, wasn't high he wasn't bouncing around like you know kenny can talk really fast at times when he's obviously you know full of energy it just wasn't that sort of ken on the weekend so maybe the family wasn't there and he was a bit depressed about that maybe the the bike wasn't exactly where he wanted maybe he was tired from all of the activities he had to do and the travel he's done in the last few weeks or so um maybe all of that was sort of coming to a head and he needs a week or two off now but um yeah it just 
wasn't comfortable, happy, you know, really chatty Kenny on the weekend as such. No, and uh, it was it Saturday night after, you know, he'd won the title and he was just basically walking through the pits. I think he had a beer from, you know, the fridge that was down there at the little, um, you know, kiosk area that they had there and uh, was just talking to people like it was, you know, just like a, a normal race, day. Hey? Yeah. yeah, just hadn't hadn't won anything and... Um, you know, I just gave him a fist bump and said congrats, but there was no, you know, he you could tell he was just, I think, like, and he'd had enough that day and it was probably just time to go to bed and then get on the plane and go home. Yeah, well, he still went to the after party and threw some ping pong balls around, I know. But, um, but yeah, I think the rest of that is, is very true. He's just looking to get on the plane and go home. But, um, but, yeah. Now, let's, one other thing I want to touch on for World Supercross. Obviously, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny dominated. Joey had a bit of a rough night. Didn't get the results he wanted coming in with a points lead. But um, we kind of, if I'm honest, I kind of expected Ken to, to still get the job done no matter what, no matter what Joey did. So, you know, um, Joey's probably disappointed in the fact that he came in with the points and couldn't, couldn't get the job done. But I think Ken was always going to get that, that number one plate. But the other thing that happened that stood out in it was uh heat one heat one heat two one of the heats of the night dylan wills got a start in the heat event mate he uh he was out of there he was up the front vince freeze got a start as well he got a better start but dylan wasn't going to have it dylan took a moment and he became the people's champ on on saturday night in marvel stadium and <laughs> I don't think I've – I think that was the crowd's loudest point uh, and the press box's loudest point. Um, <laughs> We're all yeah. excited for that. <laughs> yeah, you just – yeah, you see uh, Dylan, you know, everyone knows what, you know, Vince does and especially after Abu Dhabi, there wasn't, uh, you know, a great deal of happy people around and uh, Dylan was like, well, you know, I'm going to take a shot uh, and, yeah, just put it straight up the inside of uh, Freezy. And unfortunately, he didn't fall down. I think if he had fallen down, it would have been even better. Uh, but then, you know, what, a few turns later, Dylan did what everyone else did and uh, left the door wide open and, yeah, got got, <laughs> got slammed back by Vince. Yeah, yeah so... Like- yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. You you got to you know if if you especially if you've done that, you don't leave the door open. Well, so that whole scenario, right? So like Dylan, we've got this whole both sequences of both corners are up on the um on our Instagram reel and stuff with it with with the different um the couple of angles of the shots that are going in. So Dylan managed to get inside Vince in turn two, and then by so what. Turn at the end of the whoops, the whoops, uh, three, four, turn five. Dylan's chucked a massive filthy scrub off the triple into that turn five, and I think he forgot who was behind him at that point because he probably started thinking about he's in the lead and going to lead a lap in a World Supercross heat race as a wild card, and he probably just ran that corner a little bit far into that corner a little bit faster and couldn't turn to the inside as he wanted to, and like I said, just probably forgot 
what he'd just done because of the moment of, of the whole thing catching up to him. But yeah, he left that door way open and, and Vince just walked straight through it as Vince is more than capable of doing. Unfortunately for Dylan, he hasn't obviously had as much experience on the receiving end uh, as Vince has and wasn't able to ride it out. But as we saw, as we spoke to Dylan post-race, uh, and you can check those interviews out, like I said, on the, on the other podcast feeds here and the YouTube channels, Dylan was laughing in his helmet as he was going over the back of the boom because he knew what had just happened. That is the funniest part of the night. That and when he said that he got a standing ovation as he was riding out of the stadium to come last in that heat race. Yeah, and I mean, just I've uh, just gone back just to check it. Uh, and even Dylan said both passes weren't actually that bad. No, they were both fine. Uh, they are just block passes. Yeah, they were just block passes. And that berm that Vince put him over on was just – there was a big drop on the back of it, and that didn't help. Otherwise, I think he would have been fine. Um, but, yeah, both passes, you know, were – fine but he went and talked to Vince uh he said to us he'd been and talked to him and you know they both had a laugh and he gave him props for you know actually trying um but yeah it was yeah one of the highlights of the weekend uh for me and I think everyone else to be honest and I (laughs) I went to the pits uh I think you were getting an interview with someone else and I went and I said to him can we you know can we please uh get an interview and just going back to what we said up the top, um, you know, Newcastle and Melbourne, he was uh, really accommodating to us in the pits and stuff like that as well. So uh, in the middle of, you know, loading the van up and trying to get out of there, he stopped to, to give you the interview. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got it because there was some yeah, some funny content come out of that. Yeah, look, and that was a big props to you for tracking him down while we're getting those other things done. It was kind of handy having both you and Jen there in the pits with us post-race because it sort of helped us track down some of those other guys and get as many of the interviews as we did. So, yeah, nice work on that one, Benny, because that one's basically wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you spotting where he was up to and grabbing a hold of him. So, yeah, nice work. But, yeah, the interview was well worth getting um, and it was it was probably the highlight of the night if <laughs> unless your name was, um you know, Ken Roxon getting a world title number two. But, yeah, the rest of it, that was... That was gold. So, yeah, well done, Dylan, um, on having a crack. Well done, Vince, for having a crack back. But both of you playing, you know, borderline nicely in in the whole scenario. So, yeah, it was good entertainment. Good racing, that one. Like we said, they weren't weren't, um, dirty moves. They were solid supercross block passes in bowl turns, exactly as a bowl turn is intended to be used. So, yeah, look, it was all, all kosher, which was awesome. Yeah, I think one thing too I noticed is, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, he didn't really seem to, apart from that, with didn't really, that, like I'm going to kill someone in the corner. Like a lot of them were getting past him, um, which is more than what we saw in Abu Dhabi, which, you know, it was a bit easier to get past in the corners. But uh, a lot of people were getting past him and there was no sort of retaliation. So... I don't, uh, I don't know that, if that was. I don't feel that Vince had the speed on on um, on Saturday that he on did. A bigger track. Yeah, whether yeah. it was the track, it was more open. Um, the rhythms were obviously bigger and more challenging. Like the Abu Dhabi track, anyone could probably do that track and be somewhat competitive. But yeah, this bigger Marvel Stadium track, I just don't think Vince had the ability to get back on top of them 
like he did in Abu Dhabi. The if he didn't have that speed out of the corner, like it, where they were blocking him in one corner and then taking off for those rhythms, those guys were then getting the whole full rhythm. Whereas Vince would have to sort of double where he would have tripled, and that sort of took him back far enough that he then couldn't get to them in the next corner or the corner after. And then by that point, that rider had gapped him, and so that's sort of where his normal retaliation wasn't able to you know occur as quickly as it has so yeah i think the bigger track just you just saw the skill set of those other guys come to the fore and something where vince maybe still just didn't have it for whatever reason maybe it was bike setup maybe it was just his skill level um maybe he just wasn't feeling it that night you don't know but um yeah there was a few different things there like you said where he just didn't get back to them to try and put another move on him like he had been in the past yeah, and, you know, Abu Dhabi was a, a tight track and this was, you know, a lot bigger. So I think that was part of the difference. Yeah, definitely was. So, yeah, look, a successful World Supercross all round. I think we, um, we, we did a good job at covering it. We had a lot of fun being there. Um, you know, awesome job by SX Global on with the world side of things and the AME group with the Friday night Australian Supercross side of things. Hopefully for some bigger and better series in 2024 from both those um, groups. And we'll hopefully hear more about that here in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, look, awesome to be a part of it in some small form, Benny, as, as our media coverage group here. Um, and, and ideally we get to do all this again in, in the very near future with these events. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm just going to wrap up there on the World Supercross and just say I'm glad Melbourne finished out the way that it did for both Australian and World Supercross series. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I haven't really seen a lot of, uh, you know, negativity on the socials like there was after Abu Dhabi. So I think uh, everyone's probably, you know, a lot happier with that than what there previously was. If there's no if there's no hate on socials, they must have done something right. Yep. So yeah, let's leave it there with that one. Now, one other little comment here before we're going to go. This is all we've got for the show tonight, Benny. We haven't got nothing else going on. This is where we're going to wrap up. But I, I just want to make a little comment on something that I heard on another media source. Now, many of you know, we probably all listen to Pulp MX. It's one of the bigger podcast things out there. But I, I noticed one interesting comment that he made in, I think it was his last show. I'd have to check which show it was. But it was he was talking about off-season races and he was mentioning like what one's the best and what one's the next best. And he listed Paris as the best off-season race, which is fair. I've never been there, but it looks like it's a pretty good event. They get usually pretty good list of riders coming in as special guests. But the funny part that I thought was interesting was that he listed the Australian World Supercross, like the, the Melbourne and previously the AusX Open when it was, you know, in Sydney and that, as the second best one. But the interesting part of that is that he's never been to Australia nor that event. So I wonder how he managed to come up with that uh, rating system there, Benny. Do you think he just pulled that from his hat or his ass, or do you think he's uh, bucking for a uh, flight ticket over to next year's event or something? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Um, you know, I can watch Paris and make a decision from that just the same and go to Melbourne just the same as, you know, he can go to Paris and then make a decision off the TV uh, for Melbourne. So 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, the interesting part in all this me, is that when he covers, carries on about people and covering sport, the the events that they they can't cover it unless they're there on the ground. So I just I find it a bit. I found it a bit hypocritical. I thought it was funny. I just wanted to bring it up. I don't know if anybody else picked up on it. Nobody probably gives a rat's ass about it, and they probably think that I'm having a having a dig, you know, to try and get some uh, attention. But I just thought it was an interesting comment that needed somebody to to mention it somewhere along the line. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like, you know, it's, I guess it's each to their own decision. For me, I would put Melbourne before, uh, you know, before Paris. Paris didn't, you know, I watched it and Jet and Hunter were there and, you know, I've watched a few others, but it doesn't, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it was racing. It was good to watch, but, you know, I'd put Melbourne over that. Um, but, you know, each to their own. You can you can decide which which one you like. But yeah, it does does help when you go. Uh, if you experience it, you know, it could be completely different. I mean, I watched Newcastle on the TV last year, and then went to Newcastle this year, and you know, I thought a lot more of it than what I did from just watching it on the TV. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's. You see more in person, you can, you know, like us, we got to see more than, you know, probably the normal person. But, uh, yeah, I guess it helps when you actually go to the events and um, make your decision from that. It definitely does. That first-hand experience means all the means all the world to the difference in the opinion. So, yeah. All right, one more thing from yourself, Benny. You've made a quick note here. What is it? So normally you have your little Dave's diatribe, but I'm just going to say it now. We don't need the intro. We don't need any of that. I can get the intro if you want it, but yeah. <laughs> nah, it's all right because we're already, we're already there. Kids in the pits on Saturday night. Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> now, that's fine. The kids can be in the pits. They can go and get, you know, everyone's giving shit away. Uh, I got some plastics, you got some Guernseys, you know, we all got a little bit of something. But there's kids in there that are just spoiled little shits walking around with just armfuls. Like, they can't have any more. Like, they don't have any more room in there, you know, to carry anything in their arms or anything. They got hats, they got shirts, you know, they got it all. This one kid that I saw was like that full arms full everything and joey savachi walks up so this is at the time when we were getting the uh henry miller and colt nichols interviews and savachi comes back to the pits and this kid just goes oi give me a shirt now there's a heap of other people standing there before he even got to that pit to start with second of all you don't just talk like that like i know the kids but you would think that they could act a little bit better, have some manners. But then the worst part is that the riders just give them what they want. Yeah, that was the disappointing part in this story for me. That was the part where, not not picking on Joey at that point, but what you, like I didn't see this firsthand. I was doing the interviews at that point. You picked up on this other thing that was happening in the background of that. But yeah, the part that he's then, you know, one, he's gone, oi, give me your jersey. And two, that Joey's gone, oh, give us a minute, gone and got changed, come back out and gave it to him. And the kid already had a pile of crap that, to his name. He didn't need it and he didn't deserve it. And Joey should have kept it and give it or given it to somebody else who actually used manners or, 
knew who he was and didn't have anything else in his hands already. Yeah, and, you know, we were going back to, you know, us being at the club pit. Uh, we were over there getting uh, an interview with Cole and Reese and uh, and Luke Nice, and the same thing, a kid comes up to Ty and says, oh, give me a plastic. And uh, props to Ty, he actually said, you know, do you know how to use manners? Like, can you say please? Um and, you know, he still gave it to him, but he said, next time, just, you know, have a think about it and use your manners, you yeah, know. He's trying to educate the kid, um, Yeah, trying to, trying to, yeah, like you said, educate it. And it's just, you know, like there's nothing wrong with the kids being in the pits. There's nothing wrong with them going and seeing the riders and whatever. And, you know, like I said, we got plastics. You're going to hang them up on the wall, you know, that memories from that weekend. But these kids, no doubt, are just going to go throw that in the cupboard and not even care about it after, you know, there's probably a lot of people that walked out of there with nothing. And these kids, you know, it's, oh, they've got it in the moment, it's cool, and then go home and just throw it in the cupboard or whatever. Um, and, you know, was acted like a little shit just to get it. That's what's, uh, yeah, it's pretty annoying to see. Yeah, it's... Unfortunately, that seems to be the way that you know the younger generation is is treating these situations, you know, more more and more. But yeah, look, I think the riders, the mechanics, the team managers, they need to have a bit of an approach where they don't just give them to them; they've got to make them earn it. You know, some just in some way, even if it's like you said, it's just saying please, or you know, please could I have Luke Nice's plastic? You know, so that you know the rider. You use your manners. Well, I think that would make a big difference, and that was something that Ty was pointing out to us as well. Yeah, well, going back to that, a kid came up and said, oh, can I have uh, – actually, he. it's funny you say that. He came up and asked for a Guernsey, and Luke had one in his hand, and he said, "And no, I've got to keep that. And then he was like, oh, do you want some goggles? And he's like, yeah, I'll take some goggles. And then Ty said to Luke, he's like, he didn't even know who you were five minutes ago. Yeah. And the kid's like, oh, I forgot, I forgot, you know. And then lucky for you, Luke, after the interview, gave you that Guernsey. Um, but, you know, you earned it, whereas this kid, like, he just had no idea. So, um, yeah, it's like I said, kids kids can be in the pits. It's fine. It's just they need to, you know, just have some, have some manners and, um, you know, be a little bit nicer, not just, hey, give me a shirt or give me a plastic or, um, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, there's a way to do it. And yeah, you're right. And ho like I've heard this sort of thing on, on lots of other media sources having the same sort of comments about the kids. And, uh, you know, hopefully somebody hears this and takes a better approach and, and then, then they get rewarded for it. Because you know they've they've done the right thing, use the manners and and know the writer's name. Um, it's it's just com some common decency. But yeah, they need to be better. And the other one more thing is those people that have gone now and got Guernseys. For you or me, that's you know we've just had that weekend. That's a that's a memory. Like we got a Honda Nils rear guard. You got some Guernseys. I've got Reese Buds plastic. Those for me, I will never let go of. They'll mm. go up on the wall or whatever. I'll remember that. These people now, some of them, will go and get on Facebook and try and sell them. 
and that also that annoys me. Yeah, that's yeah, look, that's gonna happen always. But yeah, it is disappointing. But you're you're right. Like again, that should be part of the the thing. Like I'm never gonna see this on on marketplace, am I? You know, like uh, that's what the writer should be saying on because it is a memento. It's it's meant to be a memory. It's meant to be a uh, what's it called a, a um you know like a souvenir that is kept yeah um yeah it's meant to mean something to that person that's why you're asking for it it's not just because you don't know who it is and you just think it'd be cool to have it should mean something to you and that's why you're asking for it so don't just go and ask everybody and anybody for anything that they've got ask for something partic- in particular because of somebody that you know you follow you're a fan they're their f- your favorite rider don't just ask everybody for anything and don't just you know don't just pick them all up because they're just hanging around there sort of thing so yeah be better yeah and that and that's why kenny uh i've heard him say kenny doesn't give guernseys out because when it comes time to give a guernsey to like charity and actually get money for it uh people will actually pay the big money because there's not a lot of his guernseys out there uh, he just doesn't give them out left, right, and center like other people. So when people actually want them, they have to pay the good money so that the decent money goes to the charity. And I think that you know that's a really good idea. But uh, yeah, that's my Dave's diatribe for tonight, and we'll <laughs> just leave it at that. Well, I'm going to finish with one little point here. It might be a gay AFL thing, but you keep saying Guernsey. You know it's Jersey, right? Ah, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's one or the other. It doesn't matter. Well, in Australia, mate, we speak English. We say Jersey. Jersey, Jersey, yeah, Jersey, Jersey, Guernsey, whatever it is. Somebody yeah. will pick up on that and say that I'm wrong, but I don't care. I say Jersey, but yeah, Guernsey. I've well, heard, it's I've all heard right. it's Guernsey like, once in a while. Yeah, well, you know, someone was calling skid steers, posse steers the other day. So I know, I was just, stuck. I was stuck. Yeah. That was bad, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a long season, mate. We're going to have we're gonna have a bit of a uh, wrap here in a minute. But, um, yeah, look, the, this will probably be one of well, – we'll have another couple of these shows towards the end of December, beginning of January, obviously to kick into the 2024 AMA season. But this will be probably the last one of these for a couple of weeks. Um, we'll have some other things because we've got some other test things coming up. But, yeah, this some... It's been a long season of getting these words out in a straight order, Benny, so I'm not surprised that both of us had some stuff-ups along the way. Yeah, no, that's right. And um, probably just need to mention, like, a quick, uh, a quick thank you to, I guess, the, you know, and WSX and OzXX, Oz sx for giving us our uh you know media accreditations and you know letting us do what we um love to do yeah a very well. big thank you for them yeah they don't have to do these things and we appreciate that they do um and for feeding us on um friday and saturday night as part of it too with even a dessert platter of macaroons at one point so that was pretty cool yes the uh yeah we sort of missed out on the food in newcastle but uh we made up for that in uh, melbourne I will say the 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 little wraps and sandwiches were all right, but I could just go for a pizza. Yeah, I, yeah, uh, could could have been you know better, but it was yeah, it was pretty good, especially the dessert platter. It was better than nothing, put it that way. But yeah, no, we appreciate that you guys supporting us, having us in there, feeding us, giving us some water bottles, 
it's awesome. And the seats there in the press box, they were pretty fantastic in Marvel Stadium. So, yeah, look, can't complain on that side of things. So big thank you to the AME Group and SX Global for having us. Um, we, we love covering it. We'll be back again doing it again next year. So, All right, Benny, anything else before we take a quick break here on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia? It's Jersey, not Guernsey. <laughs> Is that the title? Oh, I can't title. I was going to end it with. I was going to title the show. You know, that's a wrap. World Supercross, Australian Supercross. But now I feel like I'm going to say say Guernsey or Jersey versus Jersey. I might put that as the question, the poll question on the Spotify. If anyone hasn't noticed yet, I've been putting some poll questions on um on the episodes lately on Spotify because it's a new feature they've got over there. So we'll put it up there and see if we get any votes, Benny. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be back with a little bit more. What's up, guys? I'm Colin Park, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back on the show. Always Moto Podcast brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. That's it for this World Supercross, Australian Supercross Series wrap-up show. Um, I am toast. I have been flat chat doing these shows over the last few weeks, getting all this content together, getting down to Melbourne, back to Melbourne, to Newcastle, back from Newcastle. Throw in there that Yamaha test up in uh, Gympie. Next week, I'm going to the Beta Australia test for the new 450 and 300 motocrosses, the four-stroke and the two-stroke. That's next week, so we'll have a podcast on that. But, yeah, I've been flat chat. My voice was cactus on Sunday afternoon. I could barely talk after World Supercross. I'd been chatting all weekend, which is awesome. But, yeah, I just need a little break here. So we're going to have a couple of weeks off from the main show here. Um, we'll do that beta test. We'll try and get something out with the Sherco still that I've been trying to get to for a while now. Um, but yeah, look, appreciate the support that you guys and girls out there have given us over the past few months with this show and obviously for a few years now, but obviously the last few months we've had a big banter push in trying to get all this content out. We've been going at it pretty hammer and tongs for a while now. So thank you for sticking around and listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast on your socials pages. Thank you for following and liking the, the, the YouTube channel, um, subscribing to the podcast feeds, all those things. They're making a massive difference to our numbers. Our numbers weren't massive to begin with, but they've at least tripled in the last few months, which is fantastic. Um, they're still not great. There's still not nothing I'm going to be proud about just yet. Um, it's a w- definitely a work in progress, but I appreciate every single one of you out there listening to us here on the Always Moto podcast and watching our YouTube shows and all that sort of stuff. So appreciate it. Now, make sure you are following us on all those things. If you want a t-shirt, please send us in those orders to info at alwaysmoto.com. We are working on some other things for the future for sponsors and stuff to try and get you some more deals. Don't know what they're going to look like just yet, but hopefully 2024 you'll hear some different things. But the t-shirts are the way to keep this show going at this stage. They're only 25 bucks. Please buy a shirt. If you can't buy a shirt, send us a five buck donation through PayPal account. Find the links in the bio for all those things, including Liat Moto Australia, Competitive Edge Performance, Slant Board Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing. Thank you for those guys for the show support, but the links are all in our bio on the socials or in the links in the show notes below. If the podcast that you're listening to this on allows us to leave a rating, please do so. Same on the Facebook page. Leave a rating on there. It helps us get available in more places. Follow us on fullnoise.com.au for all our written content uh, and stay up to date with all those bike tests. There'll be a beta test on there very, very soon. Thanks to the Always Moto Contractor for being a part of this. Thanks to Blair for the banter. Thanks to the wife for letting me do this and the kids as well. 
Listen, thanks for you guys and girls out there for listening. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.